Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. So um, this past two years, I mean, it's always nuts, but this past two years has been particularly nuts, hasn't it? I mean, it's just, there's, there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of pain, there's a lot of discouragement, there's a lot of like, everybody's gone bananas. And I don't know how that's gone for you, but I, like everyone, has been trying to like deal with the stress and, and you know, make it through. But some of you know, this past May, I had, I'd reached my limit, man. See, I'm a pastor, and pastors are supposed to take sabbaticals every few years. And I hadn't done one in 14 years. I'd never really done one. And so um, I had been pushing it off and pushing off. And then we get into COVID, that kind of makes everything worse. So it's like, I can't leave now. Like, we're refiguring out how to do church digitally and all these other kinds of stuff. And I was just pushing it off and pushing it off until finally in May, I just kind of lost it, man. Like, I, I was emotionally having a version of a breakdown, and I went to the elders, and they were so generous. They were like, Carter, why don't you just get out of here, man? Why don't you go get... This was not planned. It was completely emergency type of exit sabbatical type thing. Uh, you need to go get healthy. And the congregation was really gracious. They were like, yeah, you know, get out of here. We'll take care of it. And it was so good for me. It stirred me up on so many levels for the need to acquire healing while we go. Uh, because we're all getting hit by stuff. We're all getting wounded. We're all being disappointed. We've all got people that maybe have passed away. We've got things that didn't work out. We've got changes that we didn't expect. We've got things that we thought were going to happen that didn't happen. And we've all had to relearn a new version of life where there's lots of decisions and we're always trying to like manage different tensions of where should I wear a mask and how should I do this, that, or the other thing, and how do I do it online, how do I relate through Zoom, and all that stuff. All that just wears on you, man. And so today, we're going to look at Mary. She's going to be a pattern for us because Mary, you know, we think of her as, oh, sweet, you know, girl that had Jesus. And she was, but she had a lot that went wrong in her life, as we're going to discover. And yet we see here in later chapters of her life, she's super emotionally healthy. She's doing great during the early church. Like things are going gangbusters and she's just fine. And I really believe we're going to learn some things from her as she is visited by an angel today. We're going to learn a pattern. Here's what I want to submit to you today. Some things are only healed through relationship, reflection, and reverence for God. Some things are only healed through relationship, through reflection, through reverence for God. That's what I found out. When I was away for three months on my sabbatical, I believe that's what we're going to find out together. Let's go to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I know you've heard this before, but let's try to listen to it with fresh ears, and I'll try to help you by reading it very dramatically. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, the angel says, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very, she's two things, check this out. She's very perplexed at this statement and was pondering what kind of greeting this was. So Mary is perplexed and she's pondering. Let's take the first word. Okay, so first she's perplexed. And this word, as I began to break that apart, okay, what, what, what does that mean? What is, what is going on in Mary's heart? Well, first and foremost, you got to recognize if we were to translate this afresh today, we would say Mary was freaked out, okay? She's freaked out. This girl is, is looking at this thing, and why don't we, can we get a picture of an angel on the screen? I just want to make sure you guys understand. We're not talking about a Keebler elf, you know, or, you know, someone with little chubby wings and a trumpet, okay? This is what angels look like in the Bible, all right? I snap 
this picture over at the Rowland Savannah with my iPhone, that's what they really look like, okay? That's what they are. I'm just kidding. It was a Polaroid. But that's what they look like, okay? So she's looking at this thing, and she's freaked out. And she's also, this word perplexed, it means she's kind of doubting. She's looking at this and like, what am I, what? What is this? You know, is this a dream? What am I looking at here? What is this? So she's, kind of, she's, she's got a version of doubt going on in her, okay? But she's also pondering. She's also pondering. She's got this thing that we could call, it's, it's a humble wonder, all right? So she's freaked out, confused. I don't know what this thing is. And she's also, hmm, wow, interesting. I don't, I don't know what to make of this thing. Now, this is contrasted. There's actually a story before this in the book of Luke, okay? So there's kind of like two baby stories right up front. The first one is about John the Baptist, okay? So an angel appears to his dad before he's born and says, hey, Zechariah, just so you know, your wife, even though she's in old age, she's going to have a baby. And he's a really important guy. He's, you know, he's going to do all this stuff later on. And Zechariah, I just wanted you to know that, you know, he's coming. And Zechariah, he's, he's doing something similar. He's perplexed, but he's got a version of doubt that he says, he responds to the angel and he says, how do I know this is true? How do I know this is true? It's kind of a demanding doubt. It's like, show me what sign you're going to show me to know so I can know that this is true. And the angel doesn't like that. I don't know if it was just a grumpy day for the angel or, or, or what, but he doesn't like that. And he says, I'll tell you how you know, because I'm an angel up in your face. That's how you know. Came here from heaven. I stand before the presence of God. The angel alerts you that this is true, okay? And so he says, for that, you're mute until the child comes, because you didn't believe. You didn't believe my message to you. Zechariah's version of doubt is a demanding kind of a doubt. Mary's version of doubt is a wondering and humble kind of a doubt. I heard one preacher describe it this way. When we are poised to doubt, okay, it's like a foot that is poised to take a step. And we can take a step backwards, like Zechariah, and we say, prove it to me. I don't know about that. Okay, make the tree fall over in the middle of the woods, then I'll believe you. Do it right now. You show me that this is true. Or we can take a step forward in faith when we're poised. And we say, I, just like Mary, we can say, I don't, I don't know. I don't know all the answers. I don't know that I have a grid for everything that I'm seeing here. But I don't know that I know everything. So maybe this could be real. Maybe this could be true. How many have lived long enough that you, can, you figured out there's some things you used to think that you no longer think because now you recognize that was kind of a dumb thing to think? Right? Okay, now you know that. Well, let's just entertain the idea that future you is going to look at you now and be like, I thought some really dumb things back then. Probably that means wherever we are on the timeline, we should be thinking, I might have some things I don't know yet. There might be some things future me would like to instruct me in. So I should just always maybe remain open to the idea, like, like Mary, to have some humble wonder and be like, I think I just want to remain open to it. I want to say, maybe I don't know everything yet. Maybe there's more that I could learn if I just remain open. In difficult and confusing times, one thing that's really important is for us to remain open and humble and operate in wonder. I mean, think about how difficult this is for Mary. She's in a hard moment. Imagine, she's freaked out, man. Imagine right now, you know, secret service members break into the church right now. They come to you, they circle you and say, in five minutes, the president's going to be on Air Force One out of the parking lot, and he wants to talk to you. You would be like, 
this can't be right. I'm not the right person for this. Why would you want to talk to me? I, I'm not nothing. That's how Mary's feeling right now. She's perplexed. God wants to talk to me about something? that I don't know how to think about that. But she wisely, in her pondering and perplexing, she remains humble. And when we're humble, we can lean forward for wisdom. That's what humility should lead us to do when we're pondering and perplexed. We should lean forward looking for wisdom. That's what Mary was doing. You know, you're very vulnerable when you're open. When you're willing to be convinced of something, you're saying, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. I don't really know that I know, so I don't know that I want to have an opinion about that all the way right now. And the angel said to her, let's jump back, verse 30, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. What is he talking about? He's, he's saying, Mary, there was a prophecy a thousand years ago that was made to King David. David wanted to build the Lord a temple. And God said, no, David, it's not your time, but I'll tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to build you a house. I'm going to build you a house someday, and it's going to be an eternal house. There's going to be a king on your throne, and he's going to reign forever, and that king is Jesus Christ. He's going to have an eternal house, an eternal kingdom, and yes, he's going to be put to death, but then he's going to be raised from death to life, and he's going to never die again. He's going to reign forever and ever and ever and ever. And Mary, this is about that. This is you. This is where we are right now. Jesus, the Son of God, is going to be born to you, and you've found favor. Where's that favor, man? How do you find that? You just find it under your chair? Where, where do you get the favor? How's that work? You know what it's like to have favor, right? You're like, you've given somebody a favor. You do somebody a favor. It means you do them a solid. You do something for them that, I'm not doing this for everybody else, but I'll do it for you, right? You're doing them a favor. How do I get God to do me a favor? How's that work? Does that mean I'm in the checkout line at Meyer and there's nobody there, and they're like, man, favor. Here I go. I'm out of here quick. Right? Or does that mean, you know, you got a raise, but your buddy didn't get a raise, and you're like, man, I'm sorry. You don't have the favor of God like I do. Is that how that works? Or how does that work, though, if you have somebody in the checkout line and there's like 10 people? Is that still favor, or did you lose it? you got to go get it again. Now, here's how favor really works, and I think it might mess with your definition of favor, so let me challenge it a little bit. On one level, theologians talk about the common grace of God. That's the grace, that's the favor, that's the solids that God is doing everybody, okay? So God makes his reign come on to the wicked and to the righteous, God says. Everybody on earth, God's doing them favors. He's, he's allowing them special blessings. He's doing stuff just because he loves them, because that's what he is. He's a gracious and loving God. And yet, for those who have become reconciled to God through Jesus Christ, there's a special favor. There's a family favor. There's a favor, and this is how you can understand it. It's not just God is like being kind to them in the way that he's kind to everybody. He's taking the favor that belongs on Jesus, the favor Jesus earned by his obedience every step he took on earth, and he says, I'm taking Jesus' favor, and I'm putting it on you. I'm giving you the delight and the joy that I have in Jesus is on you because you've trusted in Jesus for the forgiver, uh, to be the forgiver of your sins. That's the favor that is on those who become part of God's forever family. That is the favor, and that is the favor that God is talking about. And so we look at Mary, and we say, 
well, Mary, that seems pretty favorous, right? Like, you get to birth Jesus. That's an honor, son of God, right? And also, even beyond that, I mean, I think even cooler than that. Mamas, think about, for those of you who, who, who know about this, think about what it was like when you, when you had your little baby and how close you were to that baby. And you, know, you fed the baby and you were with the baby and you put the baby down and you raised the baby and, and they're a toddler and then they're a little boy and how intimately your heart is wrapped around theirs and like you know them. Nobody else knows them, but you know them. That is the favor that Mary had with Jesus. Like Mary, interpersonally, nobody was going to know Jesus like Mary did. And she, that's favor. And yet, we could look at her life and say, but, but what about all this other stuff? Because isn't it kind of not favor that, okay, people are going to know, like, okay, her and Joseph, dude, they got, they got married, but then one, two, three, four, five months goes, and then the baby comes. Like, that's not the right math. That should be nine. So what happened there? Like, she was, was she immoral? And especially in this culture, that's going to be a big no-no. That's going to mark you for life. Or maybe even worse, was it somebody else, not Joseph? How did that work? And, and Mary's just going to, she's just going to have to bear that. That's just how it goes. Or what about the idea that, um, at some point, no one's really going to understand her loneliness, her unique feeling, what it's like to be her. You guys, you, you probably have pain like this on your own. You've probably seen it. Like there's, there's things you're going through that it feels like at least nobody else gets this. I'm alone in this. Nobody understands my heart. Yeah, people get it a little bit around me. No one was going to get this unique experience of I'm kind of like have a bad reputation for God and also I'm having a baby in a way that no one else has ever had a baby. That's a unique experience. And then even as she grows older, her son, this precious boy that means everything in the world to her, he's essentially going to be, from a human perspective, legally assassinated. And she's got to watch it. And that feels like a really, a lot of unfair treatment. That sounds like not favor, that she's got to sit through that. So how do we understand the favor of God then? Well, the favor of God, what we have to understand is the favor of God is the long-term favor. It is over the long haul. This is how God is taking everything that was working, even stuff that got in, that got against you, even the pains and the nicks and the cuts that you receive. God says, yes, I know about that, and I know that it hurts, but I'm bringing it all together, and I'm going to turn it upside down at some point. I'm going to make it so it's all good. And Mary lived to see this even on earth because she saw, yeah, oh, yeah, Jesus did rise from the dead. Yeah, well, then it was a different story. Then she's rocking it out in the early church and, and having a great time. But there was a lot of times when it seemed like the bad stuff had won. I like in Lord of the Rings, Samwise says to Gandalf, says, Gandalf, is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Not a cool way to say it. To come untrue. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Does that mean when I get pain, is it somehow going to become good at some point? When I'm disappointed, is God someday going to take that disappointment and wipe it away? When I'm misunderstood, will God at some point defend me and show that it's all right? When my body is decaying, and dying and disintegrating? Is there any place or sense or understanding that all things sad will come undone? So a week ago, my uncle died. And this is like, I love all my uncles, but this is like my first uncle that I really 
knew and understood as like, this is my dad's you know, best friend, and this is the guy who's always strong. He always knows how to fix things. As I'm a little boy, this is a man's man. This is the guy. And I'm like, he's always strong. And then 17 years ago, he got blood cancer, and he was still strong. You know, and we were praying. You know, God, you got to heal this guy, and, and let's keep on praying and, and keep on believing. And he, he, and he said, blessed be the name of the Lord, and he kept right on going. And after a while, after 17 years, they got to the point with the medical professionals who said, there's nothing we can do now. Like this is, that was, that was all we could, that was, we tried everything. And he humbly accepted, hey, it's, it's time to go home. And I went to see him the night before he died. I went with my brothers and my father and I saw him there. And it was good to see him, but you know, I was, I was hit by it a little bit. I don't know if you've, if you've been with people when they're passing on or you've been around a lot of people that are, you know, declining. As a pastor, I get to be around that from time to time and it's not always this way, but there's just, there, there, a lot of the time, you look at someone that's close to death's door and they look like it. Like there's something about them that is wasting away. Their body is not what it was, okay? It is not strong. It is not, you know, looking powerful. It is not looking, it's looking like, oh, death is winning here. And you know, I, I had that thought as I'm, I'm walking away from my uncle knowing he's got, he's got a few hours maybe, you know? And the world would say, see, see, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how we try to hide it. It doesn't matter if you put it in hospice, you put it in the funeral home. Death is coming, and this is what it does. Death comes for everybody, one out of one die, and nobody can withstand it. It's coming. And that's my thought. I'm thinking that. And then another thought occurs to me. Yeah, that's true. That, that's real. Yeah, that's the price of sin. That's what sin caused this. The rebellion against God caused this in the planet. But at the same time, see, my uncle had found favor with God through Jesus Christ. And see, even though, yes, his body had expired, I knew after he had passed on, here's the part that we didn't see. See, he, he might be looking down at all of us, and saying, yeah, you know, the world might weigh in and say that, that yeah, death, death won, death got it, death wasted it away. But see, from where I am, all things sad have come untrue. As he ran with more strength than he's ever known and leaped into the arms of his Savior, whom he had praised for 17 years in the midst of blood cancer. And he could say, all things sad, all things sad, all things sad have come untrue because of the favor of God in Jesus Christ. That's real, and that's the favor of God that we're talking about. It's not checkout line favor. It is eternal, forever, family of God favor. You can say Christmas amen anytime you want. If you're online, why don't you write in the chat, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. If you think this is a good sermon, go ahead and write it down. Let's jump into verse 34. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? So she steps forward. See it? She's like, I don't, I'm, conf- I don't, I'm pondering, how can this be? Angel, can you... Can you help me understand? How can this be? The angel answered her and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. I'm going to tell you how it goes, Mary. You're not going to get it. But here's how it goes. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, also the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth herself has conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called infertile is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. And, and he's telling Mary, he's saying, Mary, the reason you're going to birth the Son of God is because man isn't involved. 
Okay, that's what, that's what he's saying. He's saying, well, um, the reason he's going to be the Son of God is because the Spirit of God, in a way that you don't understand, okay, it's beyond your comprehension level, but Mary, you're not going to have to do anything. If you were to do something with a man, it wouldn't be the right thing. It wouldn't produce the thing I'm after. And so often, that's sometimes how it goes, is we get pain and confusion and difficulty because we're trying to force a plan into happening. God just isn't, God's like, well, that's the plan of man, but that's not going to produce what I was after. That's not what I'm trying to get. Men make their plans, but the Lord directs their steps. And so God says, Mary, through the angel, um, it's going to be really good. You don't have to do anything. All you have to do is just let God do it, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, the Lord's bondservant may be done to me according to your word. Very famous verse. And the angel departed from her. In her pondering and in her perplexing, he said, May it be done unto me according to your word. Let's learn from Mary. Healing is released in difficult times when we, number one, humbly approach and ask. Humbly approach and ask. This is about relationship. This is where in the midst of hurt, in the midst of confusion, in the midst of difficulty, let's lean into relationship. She was very perplexed and pondering, but she leaned in and said, how can this be? And the reason Mary could lean forward, the reason she could approach This angel representing God and say, I need more information. Can you help me understand? The reason she could do that is because as a Jewish young woman, even though she knew the stories and the narratives of the almighty God, the real God, the God you don't mess with, okay, the God that is holy, the God that, you know, you don't go talking smack to him, that God, she knows that God at his heart, because she knows the Old Testament, at his heart, that God is a loving God. That God, everything he did, even in the Old Testament, was out of his heart of love. Mary saw God as a friend. Do you see God as a friend? Do you see, is your first impulse, God is my friend, therefore I can approach. Therefore I can approach. It doesn't matter what I did wrong. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter how lost I got. God is a friend, therefore I can approach. And God himself is the one who teaches us this actually through the Christmas story. Have we noticed this? God the Son comes in the form of a baby. What is more vulnerable than a baby? Nothing. Dude, a baby is completely helpless. You could hurt a baby in any way that you wanted to. Sometimes I'll be talking to somebody who maybe was recently in a relationship Maybe they were married, and they're thinking about going into a new relationship, and they're like, yeah, I'm just wondering if there's any way to, to do this without, you know, just positioning myself so I'll never get hurt again. And I'm like, I don't chuckle out loud, but inside I'm like, oh, dear heart, that's not a real thing. If you want to get close to anybody, you've got to be vulnerable. And if you're going to be vulnerable, when you're getting close to somebody, you're giving them permission to hurt you. That's what you're doing. That's what it is. And so when Jesus Christ, God the Son, appears as a baby, he's saying to the world, I'm going first, I'm approaching, and I'm coming as the most helpless thing there can possibly be, and I'm going to be defenseless. In fact, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to let you, let you rip the beard out of my face, and I'm going to let you whip my back. I'm going to let you put me up on a cross, though I could stop it instantly. I'm going to let you because I want you to know I am all in. I'm all in on you. I want you. I want this relationship. I know you can hurt me, and I still want you. And so I'm leaning in. And so Mary knows this is the God 
who's always been approachable, who's always been loving, and so she takes a step forward and she trusts it. She trusts God's love. She was, cons- she was confidently inquisitive, trusting God's love, and that's what, we need. that's what we can be. So when we've got questions, we're like, God, I don't understand this. We want to be like Mary, and, and not like Zechariah, not just stand back and be like, well, God, you know, you have some explaining to do, by the way. You better show me why this happened and what this was. And... But she says, how? Zechariah said, all right, prove it. She says, very in humble wonder, angel, I trust that God doesn't mind that I ask some questions. So can you help me understand how that's going to work? Because I know how babies come and I, that, the normal route didn't happen. So how's that going to work? You can ask God whatever you need. You know, you can ask God for faith in trying times and difficult times when it feels like, I don't understand what's going on. You can ask God, God, I'm, I'm losing faith. I like, my confidence in Jesus is decreasing. Will you give me faith? You can ask him that. I had a pastor friend who years ago, he was an atheist. And he, you know, he'd gone through school and he'd been around the world and, and he'd, he'd, there's just things against the idea of Jesus being Lord. And he was like, ah. and yet he wanted to take a step. He was open. He, and he wrote down on a sheet of notebook paper, 20 articles, 20 things, 20 objections to why Jesus isn't real, why Christianity is not real. And he wrote them all down and he said, God, I want to take a step towards you. If you can show me through people, through books, through resources, can you just, these are my honest questions. Can you just answer these for me? And he didn't give God, you know, by the weekend, sir. In fact, if I remember right, it was about a year long. But every one of those objections, God led him to a different person or a different resource or some book or whatever that had that exact answer. He crossed it off. At the end of those 20, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Because you can go to God like that. You can ask God those questions. You can ask God for healing. And maybe some of us need to ask God for healing today, like I did. I was sick for four and a half years debilitating autoimmune disease. And my wife and I prayed and my family prayed. And we prayed for four and a half years minus a day. And God had not answered yet. But we, we figured, well, God is approachable and he hasn't said no, so we're just gonna keep approaching. And on the four and a half, four and a half year plus one day, he started to answer. And I got better, quicker and quicker. And it was aggressive. I started to get a lot better. I'm a whole different guy because of that. But it was because God was approachable. This past spring, um, I had some emotional healing that needed to be done. And so I would sit in the chair and I would write down all my stuff in my journal. I was using an iPad, but I would write it all down. I got, here's my, here's my thing and here's what I don't understand. And I, I don't know why you let them do that to me. And, and I don't know why that, you know, that thing stuck with me and that really hurt. And, and I don't know what to do with this God. And, and it wasn't accusatory toward God, but it was just, here's all my madness. Here's all the hurts. I don't understand why. And it was a, it was a asking for understanding. And you know what's so funny about the Lord? It's slowly, it wasn't right away, but slowly as I'm writing down my things and I'm processing with, in, with Jesus in the chair every day, there was answers that came and they came graciously and they came slowly. And one of those answers was, that's your fault, not my fault. Carter, you did that. I warned you about that like three times. But see, when you're going fast, you don't remember that. You don't remember why you actually hurt yourself and jumped into that pit. 
And yet the Lord, you know what's so awesome about him? It wasn't just awesome that he gave me the information. It was awesome that he so patiently and lovingly told me I was the culprit, not him. Man, that's it's so good. That's God loving. It's God being gentle and patient and kind so we can ask him for understanding. He doesn't tell Mary much, and sometimes God isn't going to tell us much. But he tells us what we need to know in the time we need to know it, and he doesn't mind us asking. So we humbly approach and ask. Number two, we cautiously accept and surrender. This is where we take time for reflection. That's what I was doing in the chair. We take time for reflection. And she can reflect on this idea that he'll be great and will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. What he's saying is, Mary, this baby you're going to have is a big deal. Okay? He's not, I, I know that as a mom, you usually, moms get to name their kids, moms and dads, you name the kids, you pick out what it's going to be called. I got to tell you, Mary, just so you know right away, he's already named, all right? He's older than you. And you will have a version of earthly authority over him for a very brief time, but you have to understand, he is the great I am, and Jesus Christ is in charge. All right? So that's always going to be true, Mary. Yes, you're going to give birth to this baby, but this baby is the one who's going to deliver you and be Lord of all the earth and all creation. And that's why, yes, Mary knew that God is a loving God and he's approachable, but she also understood God is in charge. That means God's going to arrange stuff in my life that is sometimes painful and sometimes confusing, but God is in charge, and I am not. And that means God's going to bring change into my life. God was going to bring change into Mary's life, that's for sure. There was going to be some irreversible things that happened to her that she, it doesn't matter what she wants to do, there's no one doing it. And maybe God has brought some changes into your life or there's people that aren't around anymore or there's people that are that you don't want around or there's difficult circumstances or things I don't understand why that was and I can't change anything. Can I just encourage you lovingly? I know that there's people watching on video right now who maybe you've got some real disappointments. And some stuff really went wrong. And I just want to affectionately say, try to let go. Try to let God just be in charge because he is in charge. And sometimes what God is doing is the exact thing. The, thing, the change we don't want is the very thing that we need for ourselves to be progressing. I found this out. I don't know if any of y'all knew this. God is almost always doing his best work during hard things. God is almost always doing his best work during hard things. Haven't you found that? Like when, when it's breezy, everybody likes breezy. Everybody likes when it's fun and simple. You don't particularly grow very much when it's fun and simple. But when he, when he hedges you in, man, in that real tight crevice through the valley, uh, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but you know that's where you grow. That's where you learn to trust God. That's where you learn to rely on God. That's where you learn to be shaped into the image of God. So let's just let God Part of trusting him is saying, God, I don't need to change back what you're changing. And here's a, another little tip. God can only change you from here. He, or sorry, he can only heal you from here. Through change that might be occurring right now, he can heal you from here, but not back there. So this is very common, even when people go through tragedy or through something difficult. I see this with people all the time. When you've been hurt and you've been disappointed, part of you wants to just, I just got to get back to the way it was. I've just got to work very hard to undo this and get back. This was good. If I can just get back there, that'll be fine again. I got to get, I got to engineer life so it's like that. And, and, and check it out. 
God can't heal you from there. He can only heal you from here, from where you are. Right? God doesn't do the time stone thing. He ain't going to turn it back and just unhurt you. Okay? God's going to say, well, you're, you are hurt. We're not going back in time. You're, you're here, but by the way, this was part of my plan. This is what I, I want to use this to heal you. I allowed you to get hurt, but it's so you can get healed better than you were. So my wife, she works in a hospital, and you know, she's seen people come in pretty hurt. You know, people come in with gunshot wounds. And one of the things she notices is there's never any advice to, well, we just need to take them back in time and get them unshot. It's always like, oh, well, here they are bleeding. Deal with it now. Let's heal them from here. And God says, I'm going to have to heal you from here because that's the way it works. Romans 8, 28. Here's what's really good news about that. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He causes everything to work together for good to those who love God. It's everything. But here's what's a little confusing about everything. Everything includes the stuff that hasn't happened yet. Everything includes stuff in your future that you're waiting on. It doesn't make any sense right now. It hasn't worked together for good right now. But see, that's because there's a missing ingredient. It didn't arrive yet. It's part of everything. Okay, so it's like you're making the Christmas cookies, but you know the delivery boy from Walmart didn't deliver the sugar yet. So you're tasting this thing like, ah, this ain't no good. What is this? Then you get the sugar. Oh, yeah. Well, I had another ingredient coming. And see, when we just wait on God, I know that it can be painful and confusing and hard. And sometimes it's like, baby, just, just wait on God because there's another ingredient coming that's going to make this painful, yucky stuff taste a whole lot better. I've had several different operations in my life. When I was real sick, you know, I had to get scoped every now and then, and I've had hernias need to be repaired. So I've been on the operating table, all right? Some of you know what this is like. You're on the table, and they wheel you in, and there's somebody over here, and they're cooking something up, and somebody's cleaning something over here, and you're looking around like, oh, my word. And, and they're all busy, and, you know, the doctor or the nurse comes up to me like, all right, okay. And they got the mask, and they're going to put you out right here, okay? You're going down. And they've never stopped the thing and said, all right, well, Carter, what do you think we should do? You know? They, they don't even wonder. They don't want my advice at all. They're like, hey, boy, it's best if you just say nothing at all. Okay? Let's just, you just, you stay asleep for a while. We got it. Okay? We know what to do. Try to stay out of it. And sometimes, my friends, sometimes that's really, I, I believe what God is saying to us. Hey, man, look, I've done this a thousand times. I'm the divine physician. I know what to do. It'll interrupt things a whole lot less if you just try to go to sleep. Just wait for God to do what only God can do. Stay asleep, Adam. God will bring Eve. You stay over there, okay? Stay out of it. And God will bring it along at the right time. Somebody say, this is the best doggone Christmas sermon I ever heard. Some people online are like, I should go to this church every doggone weekend. Here's number three. Honestly worship the Savior. So we humbly approach and ask. We cautiously accept and surrender. And number three, as we worked on relationship and we started to reflect, now we're going to revere what God has done. This is where we worship when you don't feel like it. This is, now, it's hard to worship when you don't feel like it. I would always prefer to feel like it. I would like to have a sincere like, you know, connection to feeling the love of God. And that's the ideal. That's what we're going to aim at. But sometimes you know, it's just wisdom to start praising God because if you don't, you're going to become a little negative puddle. 
But if we are going to worship through pain, we need to reflect on the love of God in Christ. Here's a little secret that they don't teach in church enough. You can't actually love God by trying harder. You ever try to just eke out some more love for God? God, I love you. You're trying to worship. You're, oh, I'm trying to feel it. I got nothing, God. This ain't, this ain't working. Ever happened to you? Here's, here's why. You can't cause you to have more love for God, but you can reflect on how God has loved you. As you reflect on just how much God has loved you in Christ, how much it has cost him, how much he adores you, how much affection he has for you, as you and I focus on that, you start to pop up all kinds of love for God. Like, so it's like, oh, Wow. How awesome, how privileged I am. God, I do love you because you've shown me such great love. So this is where we just decide to think about, yes, bad stuff has happened. That's been hard. I don't want to wear masks. I don't like this thing or that thing. But I'm just going to think about the love of God that is mine in Christ. Think about all the battles that he's already won for me. Okay, so Rick Warren told me once, I shouldn't tell you that. Billy Graham told me never to name drop, so I'll just tell you the illustration. So one day, a guy told me, we think about seasons like it's, I got a good season, and I got a bad season. I go, oh, here comes another bad one. Oh, there's another good one. But it's really not like that. It's much more like life is railroad tracks, and on one rail is all the good stuff, and on the other rail is all the hard stuff. And you have both in every season. Sometimes it feels, you know, one's a little weightier. But the secret is to focus on the good and to keep praising God for the good that he's already done, for the ways he already brought you through. Think about Mary. At the very least, she has Elizabeth. She's going to go see her. She gets to see this woman who, it's not quite the same thing. It's not the son of God, but it's this miraculous birth that's going to happen. She says, well, at least I have some kin that a little bit understands me. Has God sent you anybody that even, they don't understand you perfectly, but they understand you a little. Has God sent you any human or resource to, in his very great grace to us, speak God's word into your life? To point you back to what is true? Has he sent anybody who just even the sight of them makes your heart well up with a little more love? Has he given you any sense of all the health and joy and people and prosperity that he has surrounded you with? I mean, yes, there's COVID and all the other horrible things that came with it, but what about all the good? What about the good stuff that we could bless his heart by praising him for? If we just would. And this is where our worship becomes honest and authentic when we reflect, don't just sing, reflect on all God has done for us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on back up. Here's what else God did through Christ. See, God, as Mary knew, as the angel knew, as we know, God condemns sin, but he atones for sinners. That means he pays the price for them. They have a debt they cannot pay, so he pays it for them. And he justifies them, and he draws them back into relationship with himself because of his heart of love. And that's what he does. That's his offer. That's his approach to every single person on this planet. And the thing you have to understand about God, because people, you know, Many have been raised in religious environments and, and there's kind of like this idea that's put in us. Well, you know, you just gotta, you just gotta do your best and be good for God. And, and you know, that's kind of like convinces him that you are worth saving. Can I tell you the truth? 
you were worth saving before you did anything right or wrong according to God. He just wanted you, not because of your performance, not because he knew you would be super spiritual or unspiritual. That's not how it works. God just saves through Christ. Think about, you know, our heroes. Think about the firemen. When the fireman is trying to save somebody out of the burning building, does there have to be a negotiation first? Is the person in the burning room like, fireman, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be good. If you can, I'm going to work community service. Can you just come get me? No, he doesn't have to say that because the fireman just saves. That's what saviors do. They burst through the wall like Jesus to people bound up in sin and despair and hurt and pain. He says, I'm just saving you because I love you. That's what I am. You don't need to get your act together. You don't need to be a perfect spiritual person. I am aware of what you've done wrong and you and I can work on it together. But I need you back in my arms first as we start this thing. Some things are only healed through relationship, reflection, and reverence for God. As we end this Christmas Eve sermon, I want to ask, can you guys put on the screen Luke 138? Wouldn't it be a cool Christmas Eve prayer to just echo Mary? Say, behold the Lord's bondservant. May it be done unto me according to your word. Mary had lots of questions still. She was in that moment. She's saying, I don't know everything, but I'm stepping forward into the unknown a little bit. I have my doubts still, but I'm open and I want the answers. So I'm going to lean in. And I wonder if maybe some of us watching online or some here present today, maybe for the first time, you want to take that step. You want to just take that step into his arms and say, Jesus, I don't know everything, but I do trust you. So I want to pray with you. Three different audiences are represented on screen and in this room. And the first one is, the truth is you know all this. You know everything we just said. But for some reason, it's not affecting your life in a way that looks like it. Like you don't feel resistance from the Holy Spirit to certain things. You don't feel like this desire to get into God's word and know him more deeply. You know all the things, but it's not affecting you. What we want to pray for you is, God, would you light on fire their emotions to help them know what they know? Know it in a way that changes something on the inside. Others of us, We want to pray for, you need some kind of healing, physical or emotional healing. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you've got a long-term disease. Maybe it'll be healed today. Maybe it'll be healed in four and a half years. Maybe it'll be healed ultimately in 17 years in the presence of God. I don't know, but God is an approachable God that likes to heal. So we should just ask him. Or maybe you're like I was when I went on sabbatical and I'm just kind of a wreck on the inside. You wouldn't know it. But on the inside, maybe you're just cut up and you need a good and faithful God to begin the process of healing and then maybe some of us you need the healing of your sin because you've never asked for forgiveness you've never asked Jesus just to forgive you and take you into his forever family and walk you all the way home just like he did my uncle whichever one of those you might be if any of them I want to ask you to bow your heads here in the room Online, if you're watching, as long as you're not driving, go ahead and bow your head. And I'm going to pray for each and every one of those folks. And you can just agree with me in your head. Like, you don't have to do anything. I'm not going to make you stand on your chair or something. 
Let's just bow our heads and we'll pray right now. God, we want to thank you so much for sending your son as a baby to demonstrate your own vulnerability and desire to be with us. Some of us, man, we hear this stuff and we know it and we're excited about it and we need something to get us past Christmas though. We want to to serve you. We want to be the kinds of people that like we're always wondering what God would have us to do instead of just doing whatever's in our head. We want to be on fire for you. God, would you come and help us to know what we know? and heal whatever's keeping us from living with that passion for God. For others of us, we need straight-up healing. We need physical healing. We need healing for our brains. We need healing for our hearts. We need healing for our bodies. And we ask that you begin that process today. Whether we need time away, whether we need conversations with certain ones, whether we need some kind of new medicine, whatever it is, God, we're asking, we just need you to touch us right now and heal us. We ask that you do so, Lord. And then for those of us, God, the truth is we haven't officially asked you for forgiveness. We know about you, but we believe today that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he not only was born, but he was crucified on our behalf, paying every debt we would ever have. We want to invite you in today, Jesus. We want to take that step. We are perplexed by some things. We're pondering some things, but we don't want to miss the opportunity to step toward Jesus. And we know that as we do, your arms are open wide and you hold us close to your chest and you say, you are forgiven. Welcome to the family of God. God, we believe in that God. Now, would you now fill us with your spirit? Thank you for forgiving us. Help us to follow you all the days of our life. Hey, thank you so much for joining us today. If you don't have a home church and you're looking for a Bible preaching community that has its heart set on passionately knowing Jesus and being his witness in our generation, check out Fierce.Church. We'd love for you to join us either digitally or in person. Also, if you're looking for leadership development related content, don't forget to check out the Fierce Leadership Podcast available wherever you get your podcast from. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on social media or wherever you would share such things. Whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Jesus loves you so much, and we love you. I hope someday we get to meet in person. Thanks again for listening.